The gospel lesson for today is from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. This can be found on page 1018 of your Pew Bible. These verses provide an account of the humble and obscure birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, as foretold by Old Testament prophecy. A reading from Luke chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in the manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Well, friends, we are certainly living in interesting times, aren't we? Wow. As if the holidays aren't full enough already, my family decided to have half the windows in our home replaced between Thanksgiving and this past Wednesday. That meant saws in the driveway, opened walls, banging, and painting most days. This was especially hard on my husband, who works from home and was on many international calls. His clients kept inquiring, what is going on? Our workmen did excellent work, though they were in and out of the house throughout the day with most of the rooms being affected and with temperatures plummeting and gusty December breezes blowing through the house. Um, Decorating the tree, the nativity, and all the Christmas cheer had to wait until at least the downstairs was finished. On top of this, there was another challenge. We have a small utility storage room that is that place where all things go to hide that you don't want other people to see all over your house. So needless to say, there was quite a bit of clutter there, and that room happened to need a window also, which meant I had to clear a path to get to the window. So then there were some other large unsightly boxes lying around the house to try to make way for all of this construction. Um, But, you know, I think back to that cluttered storage room, And I think sometimes my heart can look a little like that cluttered storage room. It's full, and there's no room for something new to make space there. Um, Sometimes we may all feel that way. We're a little too cluttered to receive the fullness of God. We need to make some more space to receive Jesus. Uh, I'm part of a Karis Women Life Group, and we are studying the book of Luke throughout this entire year. Um, So we've spent time as we started in this wonderful beginning of Luke. And Luke is an amazing gospel writer. We love getting to know him better, getting to know his gospel. Do you know Luke wrote a third of the New Testament? He's the only Gentile writer. He also wrote Acts. For those that don't know, he wrote his own gospel in Acts. And he was a physician, so he saw things with a physician's eye. And as a Gentile, he saw things as an outsider looking in. So he spent a lot of time focusing on things like healings and who were the people on the margins. 
he saw and gave us great detail about the lepers, the Gentiles, the women, the tax collectors, and the sinners. They were people that in that day were not important to anyone else, but they were important in God's eyes. God uses the humble people and circumstances to tell the greatest true story ever told. In our text from Luke for today, we see that in his birth, that the larger purposes Jesus came to fulfill for us. And we'll look at that now in verses 1 through 3. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Why were these words specific and so important? Well, Jesus knew he needed, actually Luke knew as he wrote this story, and Jesus and God knew as they ordained all of this, that what needed to happen was to tell an account that could be historically verifiable. So they tied it in to specific periods in history and specific people in power. Caesar Augustus was Julius Caesar's nephew, and his name Augustus means exalted one. He was now the emperor of the Roman Empire. He set himself up as the all-powerful political savior, and he ruled with an iron fist. The registration was also a census, and it was a way for all of the people of the empire to be taxed. The great, mighty power of Rome is seen and set in stark contrast to this unwed pregnant teen and her betrothed from a seemingly unimportant Galilean town journeying to Bethlehem. But God was using even the power of the mighty Caesar to place this couple in Bethlehem for Jesus' birth to fulfill what the prophet Micah had said centuries before, out of Bethlehem will come a ruler who is the shepherd of God's people. This new baby would change all of human history. God works in mysterious ways here, but is exalting the lowly to bring his messianic plan to fruition. And because Mary and Joseph are of the kingly line of David, they go to Bethlehem, And they're on a perilous journey to fulfill this Roman decree, along with many other travelers. And we can imagine, likely on that route, people were jostling each other, they were complaining, they were tired. The journey would have taken three days, likely by foot, between Nazareth and Bethlehem. And so Mary and Joseph are displaced from their home. They're following angelic voices and dreams and visions into their unknown future. They had much to fear along the way. There were overbearing Roman oppressors. There were bandits, thieves, and dangers being far away from their community. This journey would have taken them not only to Bethlehem, but as many of you know, then they went on to Egypt before they made their way back to Nazareth. Our lives may feel this way too. Sometimes we're not sure where God's leading us. We don't know what lies ahead, and we might even worry about what's going to befall us along the way. And frankly, it probably costs us something, like surrendering our self-control to be faithful to God's call. 
So what did this couple find when they arrived there? We read about this in verses 6 and 7. And while they were there, the time came for Mary to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Here Mary finds herself without family or friends. She has to face the birth of her child in a very humble and unpretentious place. On Christmas Eve, Pastor Nathan spoke of the wonder of that night and of the couple's exhaustion and concern. This stable or cave with the animals was a scandalous place for a person of importance to be born. God chose to have the King of Heaven, the long-awaited Messiah, born in this setting. One poet said, A barn shall harbor heaven, a stall become a shrine. Here there were animals present. We imagine the noise and the smell. There may have been flies and other barnyard creatures. It was certainly not the sterile medical rooms of today for giving birth. But this is precisely where God chose for his son to come into the world. A humble stable with a simple manger for a bed, the animal's feeding trough, in fact, God is often at work in simple, quiet places and people. What does this say about God? Well, it tells me that God is willing to lay down all power, status, and glory to come to us and to love us. God chose such a humble beginning, perhaps to tell each of us, no matter how humble you feel or your circumstance may be, I have not overlooked you. I came to redeem you through the life, death, and resurrection of this innocent child born in a stable. Instead of being born to a queen in a royal palace, God had something else in mind for his son. And he also chose to let a few people in on this great news, the outsiders. They were the humble shepherds and the the wise men from the east. God is making interesting choices as he begins the story of Jesus' life on earth. And as Jesus, God's beloved, is about to break into humanity, notice the response from the weary world. We just saw it again in verse 7. There was no place or no room for them in the inn. Let me ask you, can you remember going on a trip going a long way on a trip, and as you're getting close, you know that feeling? You're like, oh, I'm anticipating relief. I'm about to get to this place. We're going to make it. We can finally rest. As you're getting closer and closer, you can almost imagine what it's going to be like to put your feet up, to stretch, to have a glass of water, or to lie down. Well, those might have been something of what Mary and Joseph were thinking or hoping for as they neared this destination of Bethlehem. And how disappointing for them to arrive and to find every door closed to them. There was no place to stay. Finally, an innkeeper took pity on this pregnant, uncomfortable-looking woman and a very concerned man and led them to a stable. This idea of no place or no room in the inn for the birth of the Christ child can also apply to us today. 
the Jesuit writer William Beralt speaks of the power of no room in our lives. His meditation is entitled, A Hollowed Space to be Filled. And I want to read you his words. He says, a cup must be empty before it can be filled. If it's already full, it can't be filled again except by emptying it out. In order to fill anything, there must be a hollowed out space, otherwise it cannot receive. This is especially true of God's word. In order to receive it, we must be hollowed out. We must be capable of receiving it, emptying ourselves of the false self and the endless demands. When Christ came, there was no room at the inn. It was full. The inn is a symbol of the heart. God's word, Christ, can only take in a hollow. Sometimes I am filled to the brim with ideas, activities, works, relationship, church, family, joys, and concerns. And at night, I try to unpack all that the day held and what the next will as well. And some of this is a prayer of gratitude. But I am convicted, reading Beralt's poem, that it can also be me filling up myself with my agenda, my ideas, my control, and my concerns. I'm busy trying to get everything ready for God to come in and finalize the work that I have been doing on his behalf. Maybe you can relate to me on this. Our plans, efforts, and dreams have to step aside, don't they, to create space for God, space for God to fill. I don't always leave enough room for hollow spaces. And in the coming year, that will be one of my New Year's resolutions. I want to grow in being able to sit and wait for God to show up even more each day. Because the time I do spend in God's presence does refill me, as does worshiping with my church family, reading his living word, and serving others. Those are all part of what God uses to allow my cup of joy to overflow. I have a good friend who's a counselor, and she had this really wise line to say. She said, in her view, um, we need the gospel to reach parts of the human heart that have not yet heard the good news. And I love that idea. What she's saying is there's still places in us, even as Christians, that feel stuck, that feel shut off, dead or broken, and need more grace. Sin is like that. It's like the clutter in our lives that doesn't allow space for God to fill for hollowed spaces. Sin can block our reception of the gospel, God's good news to us in Christ Jesus. And we need God to be the one doing and continuing his good work in us on this bumpy journey so we can live out obedience to God's direction. One of the gifts you all have taught me as my church family in so many different ways is the gift of waiting on God. Some of you have been waiting on a spouse, a baby, a diagnosis, a new job, even some for God to bring you home in glory. I know waiting doesn't feel like a gift. It may feel more like a prison on hard days. 
And I've spoken to some of you who couldn't celebrate with your families yesterday because of contact tracing and quarantines. We are all waiting for the day this pandemic is in the rearview window. Perhaps that is why so many of us try to be busy. We're afraid of the silence, of what we might hear if we listened, if we risk taking time, waiting for God, leaving gaps or hollowed spaces in our lives. What might appear? Well, we may fear some difficult memories, some past regrets, some future concerns will surface. Yes, those might come in the hollowed spaces. However, it is possible to bring those to God in prayer. We might discover more of God and his love for us. Creating space for God expands our capacity to create space for others. And making space can also enhance our marriages and our parenting as we put aside our agenda to make room for another's. Even this past week, I had to apologize to a family member for putting my agenda before theirs. In finally listening, beyond my defensiveness, space was created. I was both convicted but given a chance to repair. Words like, I am sorry, can be humbling to say, aren't they? Humbling to say, but they are powerful means of grace. Grace can fill the empty spaces. Sometimes it's only there that we have eyes to see and ears to hear God's surprise for us. Jesus chose a humble stable as the hollowed-out space and that feeding trough as his cradle to fill with his glorious and eternal presence. He then chose a cross, hollowing out his life, so that he could take on all our sin and death for us. In emptying himself and laying aside his glory, he did for us what we can't do for ourselves. He made a way for us to return to God as God's beloved children. His dying and rising to new life means that we are now his and we have received his Holy Spirit. God's Spirit reminds us that no matter how challenging this life's journey can be, whenever we feel lost, overwhelmed, or afraid, God invites us to surrender our soul clutter and to be an emptied cup ready to receive the fullness of God. I'd like to close our time with prayer, and I want to start with a question for you to take to prayer in a moment of silence, and then I'll close us. So the question is, is there some clutter you want to surrender or some emptiness you want to give Jesus today to make a space for him to fill in you? Let us pray. Loving Lord, through your Son, Jesus Christ, you chose to enter our world 
by emptying yourself of power and taking on the form of a servant, one so humble as to be born in a stable. May we too humble ourselves enough to allow spaces, Lord, to also offer you whatever meager gifts we have. We include in those our joys, our sadness, our concerns, and our dreams. Take us as your beloved children and mold us more each day into the image and likeness of your Son. We pray all this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand for our communion song.